0: These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes. Welcome to Episode 69 of the Headspace and Timing Podcast, a show brought to you by the Change Your POV Podcast Network. Today, I talk with Heather Ely about her organization, Project Sanctuary. Project Sanctuary is a therapeutic military family program that focuses on the needs, challenges, and concerns of our military families. Here's a quick preview of what you'll hear in this episode, then we'll hear a quick word from about one of the network sponsors, then we'll get into the show.
1: It seems like when we were first getting started, everyone was still pretty much in that shock phase. They were just really raw and just home. Um, there was a, a research study and I think I want to say Mississippi University of Mississippi, it said that it takes an average of six years for a veteran to ask for help. So in those six years, they go through the the medications and the over medication and the alcohol and the bars and um, whatever else they need to try. And generally it comes to a point where they, they need to either make a different choice or we're looking at suicide. Um, so it, I think we're, we're seeing a lot of our families who are right around that six-year mark, that maybe they've tried a couple of other programs, they've tried a couple of other things, and it just isn't, isn't working for them anymore, and they want to do better.
2: Many veterans separate from the military and they want to stake their claim in this world, and hey, what better way to do that than to start your own website? Whether you want to create a blog or a niche site or a nonprofit, or hey, what about a full blown online storefront? Well, you will want to host your site on a great platform at a reasonable price. We recommend Hostgator. It's who we use here at Change Your POV Podcast Network. Web hosting made easy and affordable. Powerful website hosting services starting at only $275 a month. Check it out now by heading over to changeyourpov.com forward slash resources. And you know what? If you don't have any website development experience, no problem. You can get started quickly and easily today. HostGator offers a website builder that provides you with an incredibly convenient drag and drop building experience. You can choose from a wide selection of themes and even pre-built sections to craft your own amazing website and publish it in no time. So check it out today by heading over to changeyourpov.com forward slash resources.
0: Welcome to the Change Your POV Podcast Network. You're listening to Headspace and Timing, a show dedicated to breaking down the stereotypes about veteran mental health. My name's Dwayne France, and I'm a combat veteran of both Iraq and Afghanistan. After I retired from the Army, I took on a new mission as a clinical mental health counselor for my fellow service members. If you served in any branch of the military, you're familiar with the M2 machine gun, the 50 Cal. It's one of the most effective weapons in the military's arsenal. If the weapon's headspace and timing wasn't set right, however, it was just a huge, useless chunk of metal. Veterans can be rendered inoperable if their headspace and timing isn't set correctly either. That's my goal with this show, to change the way that we think and talk about veteran mental health and reduce the stigma against seeking support. Each week, we'll talk with mental health professionals, veterans, and those who support veterans, service members, and their families. We're going to have real and honest conversations about a topic that most just don't like to talk about, veteran mental health. Let's jump into this week's conversation. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Headspace and Timing podcast. Once again, and as always, we really appreciate you taking the time to listen and learn more about veteran mental health. Uh, you know, sometimes we have providers on who are uh, veterans themselves, who work with veterans. Sometimes we have veterans who uh, are talking about their own veteran mental health journey. Uh, and today is an episode where we actually have an organization that supports veterans uh, and their families in veteran mental health. Uh, so our highlight today is going to be Project Sanctuary. Uh, and uh, and I have the uh, executive director of the organization, Heather Ely, on the show. Heather, welcome.
1: Thank you for having us, Joy.
0: Absolutely. It's uh, something we've been trying for a while. You and I have been trying to nail down some, uh, some times. And, and even when I first came up with this idea, Project Sanctuary was one of the first organizations that I wanted to uh, come in and talk about because you guys are doing such great stuff.
1: I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, certainly. So before maybe we get into uh, Project Sanctuary, I guess I'd like to have you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your background and how you came into this.
1: Okay, I am a registered nurse, and way back during the first Gulf War, I was nursing in a small clinic up in Estes Park, and a military doctor came in and started volunteering, and with that, word spread that we were treating Gulf War illness, and for me, I still have a mental image of a military family sitting in my waiting room, mom, dad, couple of kids, and everybody was accompanying dad to his appointment and everyone was looking for hope and answers. Mm-hmm. Um, so fast forward to 9-11 and obviously I was very um, moved and wanted to do something. And for me, it was about the families and I Kept thinking about what's going to happen to all those kids that were sitting in my waiting room. There are going to be hundreds of thousands, millions more uh, affected by what is going to happen next. And for me, I really wanted to empower and give tools and resources and support to the military families. Being a civilian, I really didn't have direct ties to the military. So when I started Project Sanctuary... I honestly did not know one single military family. I just knew that something needed to be done.
0: And that's uh, and, and it's really interesting. Even that far back, um, I I joined the army shortly after uh, the first Gulf War, so I served with a lot of Gulf War veterans. And you're very right; um, uh, the families were impacted. I, I actually had a, a fellow squad leader whose son was born with some uh, some particular um, uh, birth defects that uh, that that all of us and he specifically, um, uh, attributed to that. And it did impact the families. And, and of course, uh, me and my deployments and, and having children of my own, I know that the families, uh, are, are very much affected. Um, so you started, um, project sanctuary in about 2007. Is that right?
1: Correct. It was 2007. Um, a lot of new organizations and organizations always seem to think that it, it started off large, and that is definitely not true. I continued to, my nursing career for the first three years, uh, at least full-time and then part-time and then as needed until I could wean myself uh, away from needing that paycheck so that I could devote uh, my efforts full-time to Project Sanctuary. So from my perspective, it's been a very slow and steady growth.
0: Well, and even uh, two thousand seven—that um, I think is really around the first time that that everyone started seeing veterans uh, come back uh, and reintegrate with their communities, right? You know, so two thousand and three, the invasion of Iraq, maybe for in in those veterans that got out immediately after that, and that's really just two thousand five and two thousand six, and so it, you got in, I think, right when a lot of. Um, a lot of communities needed A lot of families needed it. Did you see that?
1: We did. Still, there's a stigma around mental health. I know I'm preaching to the choir here. Uh, so I remember our first few retreats, and I always had a licensed counselor available. The families would just basically smile and wave at my counselor. Um, so it took took a couple of years before families felt... Like they were ready or I'm not sure if it was the comfortability or a reputation or they were just tired of the alcohol and drugs and big trucks and everything else had failed. But now they walk through the doors and they're they're dead set on where's the counselor? We need to talk.
0: That is uh, always one thing. And I, I tell everybody as often as I can that I appreciate about your organization is that uh, you begin and end with mental health and wellness in mind, not just for the, the veteran, but the veteran's family, uh, which isn't always the case um, with organizations such as yours, uh, not not putting you in that category, but so maybe that's where we could start is what is Project Sanctuary, what does it do, and, and, um, and how does it help veterans and their families?
1: So I came again from a nursing background, and this is loosely based on a home care uh, hospice model where you you treat the whole family and you take care of them. And you provide hope um, for a longer period of time. You want to make sure that they are um, okay for the long haul. So I knew I didn't want to just go ride horses, even though I sort of did. Um, we structured it with a six day therapeutic retreat with licensed counselors. And so we used recreation as a therapeutic modality uh, in order to open up and bring down some barriers so that the families would actually speak. You can really tell a lot about what's going on with the family when you put them in a whitewater raft and send them down to river. You're getting a lot of insight during that trip. Um, so immediately the families wanted and requested marriage classes, which I'm not qualified to teach. So I partnered with other organizations to come in and teach relationships and communication and anger management and then the families requested financial help so i partnered with uh, first command financial services out of texas and they've been absolutely incredible not only do they teach our two-day class but they stay with the families uh, when they go back home and they're in the community and they need to establish a budget or debt reduction or investment wherever they are we they meet their needs there and then honestly the families kept calling and saying, Miss Heather, we need help with this, we need help with that, so that evolved into a two year program uh now we're blessed to have a full time social worker on board that helps with our follow up program um, really matching them to their needs where they are
0: and and so and that's something again that's that's very unique uh, again, not to disparage organizations um but but one week in the mountains isn't going to solve problems um you know we call these these mountaintop experiences. If you give me a, a ticket to the ball game, it's great. I feel great for that hour, uh, but then I go back to my living room and nothing's really changed. Uh, but what what you do, what Project Sanctuary does, is really much more long-lasting change.
1: It does, and we're hosting our couples-only retreat. So families are eligible for a families retreat and then a couples-only, and then that's it. They, they have to volunteer and come work for us. But just posting it on Facebook... I get lots of messages going, holy cow, we were there three years ago. We were there five years ago. We're still using the tools. Thank you, Project Sanctuary. You'll never know the impact we have. What we teach stays the same. And I hear it over and over and over again that they do use the tools. They do remember their retreats. Um, They do keep working forward. We were lucky enough to work with Clemson University on a research project. And you're right, there's that hilltop experience. Uh, And like all families, the families come in and they may not be doing as well and they leave the retreat and they feel great. And then what our research shows is that three months, there's a small decline in hope and resiliency and the um, metrics that we're measuring. But then at six months, it continues to skyrocket up. So in six months, they're actually doing better than where they were when they left the retreat. And to me, that just speaks to the resiliency of our veterans and our military families. If you give them the tools and you give them the opportunity and you let them know that somebody believes in them, they will exceed everyone's expectations.
0: It sounds much more like a wellness model, right? Not assuming that veterans or families are broken or they're sick or anything like that, but it's, it's recognizing the strength within them.
1: Absolutely. Uh, As a registered nurse uh, and our whole philosophy is that we believe everyone has the ability to heal and everyone has within themselves the knowledge, what they need to do to heal and move themselves forward. So it's just empowering the family, giving them that space and time to remember who they are and what they want and letting them know that they have a huge friend with Project Sanctuary, an advocate who will walk alongside them and help open a few doors.
0: See, and, and that's, uh, that's really great. You know, there's, there's not a lot of things like that. You know, again, uh, as you said, and you referred to earlier is the stigma against mental health counseling is, you know, I'm sick, you're going to fix me, you're going to throw medications at me and things like that. So it's really great that there's that ability to, to help build the strength that's within them. So maybe could you talk about the different kinds of retreats that you do? Maybe give us a, an overview of, um, of maybe a couple of the different ones.
1: Absolutely. Uh, All of our retreats are scheduled on purpose by a therapeutic recreational specialist, CTRS for short. Uh, As I was going through nursing school, I didn't recognize that degree existed, or else I probably would have done a few less bedpans. Um, But the retreats are scheduled on purpose. They're six days in length. We limit our classroom time to two hours at a time. Uh, We have group activities. We have activities just for the families, we have group meals. So if they check in on a Friday night, we'll go through uh, a big friendly dinner, uh, welcome them, recognizing that it's pretty stressful to travel and to try a new therapeutic retreat. Uh, We'll have an orientation and then the next morning we'll get them busy. Uh, Depending on our location, uh, I believe this time, what did we do first? Uh, We may go to a rec center, we may go hiking, we may go fishing, uh, white water rafting. Come back for lunch and then have classroom time for two hours. And then wrap that up with something a little more easy like uh, art therapy, followed by dinner. After dinner, we typically do karaoke, uh, family game night, campfire, s'mores, your typical uh, end of the evening activities. Everything also is dependent on where we're located and the time of year. Uh, so we, we host our retreats in eight States. Um, so we have a wide variety of activities, but it's really our core classes. Uh, we also teach a post-traumatic stress class, how to live with it as a family. That's really powerful. So the core of the program are our two hour classes each day.
0: And that's, uh, (laughs) sort of, uh, um, putting the, the pill in a piece of, uh, a piece of candy, I guess. Right, wrapping it up. And uh, I'm thinking of how I have to give my dogs medications, and I, I don't want to be disrespectful, but but it really is that. But it's 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 giving the adventure, but it's also the the core classes. Um, a, a lot of what I've seen, there's not a lot of resources for spouses. Um, you know, I retired from the army. My wife, of course, my children. We have um, my retirement and so tricare., care. Uh, but that staff sergeant who got out after you know eight years and three tours in in Iraq. Um, his, his wife, their kids don't have any support for mental health and the impact that that has. Um, what kind of things have you seen that have sort of maybe been that secondary impact Are you talking about that post-traumatic stress and how to live with it? What have you seen the impact on families?
1: Um, we recognize that early on. Um, we initially went into this space thinking we would treat, Uh, the military service member and the veteran, and then quickly realized that the spouse and the kiddos needed just as much, if not more support than uh, the service member, Uh, which is really validating because Cohen Veteran Network, who are doing amazing things, only 40% of the visits that they see are the actual service member of the veteran. 60% are the family members. And I just wanted to jump for joy, and I'm like, this is what we've been saying for 10, 11 years. Holy cow, somebody finally gets it, thank goodness. Um, it is. It's really stressful being part of a military family. The repeated deployments, being a single parent, having to work, uh, worry. Your You change, your spouse changes, how to keep all that together. Uh, we're one of the few organizations that offers therapy for military teens. We have a specific a teen program so while the adults are in class the teens have their own two-hour class that mirrors what the adults are learning and run by a licensed professional counselor
0: see and and that's really great i I agree when i started my program about the same time that cohen did theirs we also like you said did um, uh, anticipate assume that it was going to be um for veterans primarily and then uh, within about three or four months i came to that realization too And we went back to our granting authority and got approval to provide uh, outpatient to spouses because of the need. And and it's not just um, a spouse can mean many different things. Family members can mean many different things. Um, I I actually had an experience in which uh, uh, after a talk, uh, uh, one lady came up and said, uh, can I get help for my son? He's a gold star son. He lost his father in in, in I'm not sure if it's Iraq or Afghanistan. Uh, and so I said we can support, uh, but then I said, "Well, what about you?" And I said, "You know, we we support spouses." She said, "Oh, I wasn't the spouse; I was the girlfriend." Mm-hmm. It's like, "Oh, well, we could still support you because she had a loss, just like everything else." I mean, we understand that that different life situations happen, um, and and it is critical uh, to to support anyone who's lost a service member. Um, I, and from what I understand, Project Sanctuary. Uh, much like Cohen and and other organizations, um, family or spouses, however the veteran defines that, right?
1: Absolutely. Um, So we have your typical mom, dad, two kids. We also have girlfriend, boyfriend. Occasionally we have parents that are caring for an injured veteran. Uh, We've had one veteran drive across the United States with just his dog because that was the only family he had left. Uh, We've had another veteran bring his battle buddy. Uh, and well, also, so whoever they define as their family, whoever is in their circle of support, whoever they trust that they want to uh, continue moving forward with, they get to define who their family is.
0: And and supporting the veteran and the service member in that support network is critical. You know, we often focus a lot on post-traumatic stress disorder and, and traumatic brain injury. Those are the two um, you know, premier, I guess, concerns. Uh, but we, we spend less time on how veteran mental health impacts the family and how the family impacts veteran mental health. Um, a, a study that was just recently, uh, released in January showed that a veteran is more likely to engage in treatment if he has support from family and friends. Um, and so I assume you've seen the same thing.
1: Absolutely. it it is the whole family, um, the way the way I like to describe it when I go out and speak to civilians, I love all programs. Anybody out there trying to help veterans, I really believe that they're doing it out of the goodness of their heart and they're having some positive impact. But a lot of programs focus just on the veteran and they take them fishing, and then that veteran learns uh, new tools, new support, new new ways that he wants to do. Uh, He gets everything he needs from this fishing retreat, and then he comes home, and it's not reinforced. So it's just easier to go back into normal routine, back into chaos, back into where they were, because what he just learned in that hilltop experience didn't follow through. So we literally take the whole family fishing. And when you do that, then even the teens can hold mom and dad accountable. Hey, you're not using your therapeutic communication. What about speaker-listener? Come on, mom and dad. Uh, I'm trying to talk to you here. So then, once they all are on the same page and they all have the same tools, then once they go home they can support each other.
0: see and and that's something that's uh, ultimately um, more beneficial in the long run, as you said. So you mentioned that you have um, you have programs in uh, in many different states. So what are some of the the places where um, where families can uh, can get on a project sanctuary retreat?
1: We are located in Colorado, uh, Park City, Utah, Santa Cruz, California, Marble Falls, Texas, uh, upstate New York, but for next year we'll be moving that down to Maryland, closer to Baltimore, it's a more central location. Uh, Asheville, North Carolina is my new favorite place. It took me 10 years to get there.
0: They don't have mountains as big as ours, but it is beautiful.
1: It is really pretty, though. And what what really is uh, key for us a lot of time is the community and the support and the uh, retreat place um, and how they welcome us and welcome our veterans. Uh, we're also in Tennessee, not Tennessee, Georgia and Kentucky as well. So eight states. Uh, we'll host about 30 retreats this year. And, Yeah.
0: It's, it's quite a bit. So um, about how many families per retreat?
1: We usually average about 10 families per retreat. We like to keep it uh, somewhere between 6 and 14 families at a time. That gives us a small enough group that we can individualize their, their care and their follow-up and their retreat experience. But yet we still get a nice group dynamic going on.
0: So 10 families, uh, per retreat at 30, that's 300 families, obviously, you know, at least multiple 600, 800 individuals touched. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've been doing this for, for 11 years, as, as you said, at this point, um, how many, how many families maybe have you seen go through Project Sanctuaries programs?
1: We're over 1200 families at this point. We're mm-hmm. about or 500 individuals, um, a lot of people
0: <laughs> it, and, it is right and, and, a lot and of Im- <laughs> imagine uh imagine uh, you back in 2007 did you see that did you did you see that as a vision did you anticipate it would get this big
1: i what i honestly thought was i would build a retreat center in colorado and host a few retreats a year um and offer support and services i never saw it going across the country i never saw it in eight states um i like to joke that i'm out of vision I don't know where we're going now. We're on a whole new path. only had one vision. Um, but the, the shocking thing is we don't advertise. People very rarely hear of Project Sanctuary or what we're doing. We have 2,300 families on our wait list. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That all from word of mouth, from the families that go through the retreats that recognize the benefit and go home and tell 10 friends.
0: And that's a, that was, uh, I was going to touch on that too, because I know that uh, when you and I met a couple years ago, and, and it was, the wait list was large even then, uh, and it still is now. Um, was, was that some of the reason why the expansion started to occur um, in those early years? Was just the overwhelming um, need or the, the uh, demand?
1: Yes. And uh, I keep waiting for it to peak. I'm ready for it to peak so that we can plateau and then start seeing a a gentle decrease, but that hasn't happened yet. Um, I do not know it all. I'm not an expert in nonprofits or vision or what we should do, so I tend to partner with people way smarter than myself. And those usually uh, take the form of a capstone project where universities come in with MBA students or graduate students and they take a look at your organization and then they chart a strategic plan for the next five years which is really wonderful because then you have a really pretty book you can just hand to a donor and say hey if you give me money i can do this um and it's not just my opinion or what heather thinks so we've been very strategic and careful about how we grow and where and the first first uh capstone project they said get the heck out of colorado you need to expand your mission uh colorado uh, ranks really low when it comes to uh, national support for military families and veterans um so we knew we needed to expand the mission and also it makes more sense it, it is difficult for military families and wounded warriors to be able to travel so if we're taking our program to them then it's it's just nice and it, it works on many different fronts.
0: And I think it's important uh, in in just hearing you, uh, for anybody who's working with veterans, uh, to hear you say that we don't know it all, right? We don't know what we don't know. Um, you know, these problems are so large. If if we knew what curved veteran suicide or if we knew what curved the divorce rate, um, then we would have figured it out by now. We would have applied a solution so it's it's very important to be honest um with ourselves and with others to <laughs> is to say we're we don't know how to eat the elephant but we're just chewing on this particular ear
1: uh, and it changes um i've been doing this for 11 years and you would also probably agree it the landscape changes and their needs change and their um I'm watching everything change. So you have to be boots on the ground. You have to be reactive. You have to be quick. You have to be agile. You have to pay attention. And I think that's the one thing I do well is listen to the military families and listen. And we can constantly survey and ask them, how can we improve? What do you need to see more in our program? What do you need to see less? So our program is always very fluid.
0: Yeah, I like, I, I see on your website, it says you're led by veterans and your board of directors. And so you have a whole lot of, uh, a whole lot of bosses.
1: Oh, you have no idea. <laughs>
0: But you had mentioned some things that you've seen changed even since 2007. Obviously, um, as I've been a clinical mental health counselor since uh, early 2014, I've definitely seen some changes. And and from my standpoint, a lot of that has been from needs from active duty service members to now there's a need to serve veterans more. What changes have you seen in the last 11 years?
1: I would say just an openness to talk about post-traumatic stress and TBI, uh, an openness to want therapy to request counseling, to uh, want to get better, Um, take a look outside of uh, typical modalities and say, hey, hiking does work and uh, acupuncture and what else is out there. So just a willingness to try and that wonderful human spirit in that we all want to get better and we all want to move forward. It seems like when we were first getting started, everyone was still pretty much in that shock phase. Um, hmm. They were just really raw and just home. Um, there was a, a research study, and I think I want to say Mississippi, University of Mississippi, it said that it takes an average of six years for a veteran to ask for help.
0: Hmm. So
1: in those six years, they go through the, um, the medications and the over-medication and the alcohol and the bars and um, whatever else they need to try and generally it comes to a point where they they need to either make a different choice or we're looking at suicide um so it i think we're we're seeing a lot of our families who are right around that six-year mark that maybe they've tried a couple of other programs they've tried a couple of other things and it just isn't isn't working for them anymore and they want to do
0: better so yeah that's uh, that's very interesting you'd think that obviously it might have been longer than that I mean if this is if we're talking generationally um, if we go back to your earlier experiences with uh, with Gulf War veterans I imagine much of much of that was uh, medical right or much of that was physical or biological they're they're coming back with what they call uh, Gulf War syndrome um, but did you see a lot of psychological um, aftermath it, it, there in the mid 90s?
1: What I saw was, uh, depression and so, yeah. and hopelessness. Yeah. So I didn't say I saw as much post-traumatic stress and traumatic brain injury. You're absolutely correct. It was more physical. Uh, a lot of, um, a lot of labs that they're still etched in my memory where the, every single lab was marked abnormal mm-hmm. and, I would just look at it and look at the doctor and say, where do we start? Holy cow, nothing. What what is this? And he would just laugh and go, this is war, Heather. And I'm like, okay.
0: (laughs) Spoken (laughs) Um, like a true military doc.
1: Yes, he was. Um, But, yeah, hopelessness. They, They came in almost despondent, almost like they'd given up. If they were driving from Nebraska all the way to Estes Park to see somebody who might listen, Uh, These families were pretty worn
0: down. And and so, and I'm starting to see some of those, uh, the the Gulf War veterans, again, if we just look back at the cycle, we all know the cycle. World War II, everyone celebrated, Korea forgotten, and then Vietnam happened. And we see a lot of the the Vietnam veterans didn't start seeking help in the very least until the mid-80s. Um, But many of them taking decades, um, 30, 40, sometimes even 50 years now that they're starting to retire and and slow down, that now they're starting to unpack things that were 50 years past. Um, But then even the Gulf War veterans really didn't start, in in my experience, start talking about the psychological impacts of what they experienced until after 9-11. And they started essentially being re-triggered by the Global War on Terror and, and I'm seeing what you're seeing is now veterans are reaching out 10 years, 12 years after, rather than waiting decades.
1: And that is, we Project Sanctuary is open to any and all military families that could benefit from a therapeutic retreat. So we actually do take care of our Gulf War families. And we are seeing Vietnam veterans. And there is nothing more heartbreaking than to listen to a veteran say, I thought I was broken. I was broken for fifty years. I had no idea what was wrong with me, um, and it's absolutely tragic that someone would have to live with that pain and trauma for fifty years. Um, so, hopefully, we're we're doing what we can, and you're doing what you can to spread awareness and let families know that they don't have to suffer, they don't have to live in pain, uh, that there are programs, there are there's lots of help out there. Uh, it's just finding them the right steps and the right help and getting them out of their basement moving forward.
0: And, and that's exactly it. I mean, it's just uh, it, it, as, as many of us have talked, there are so many choices out there that a lot of veterans don't know where to start. It's like choosing between 57 types of ketchup, right? You know, is, is where do we where do we even begin? Uh, But maybe, um, do you have any specific success stories that you can think of or any examples of of some things that uh, maybe might have really turned around for a couple of veterans and their families?
1: Yeah, probably one of my favorite stories and favorite veterans will always be um, Ronnie, who lets me use his actual name. He had uh, attempted suicide. He he was done. Uh, He had spent 19 and a half years in the Army. Uh, multiple deployments, ranger, and he came home and he sat in his basement and he would just stare at his uniform because he understood who sergeant was, but he didn't understand who he was. Uh, So he had uh, tried to take his own life, had the gun in his mouth. His wife found him in the basement and stopped it. Uh, They signed up for a retreat and he was uh, did not participate. Uh, We actually just said, just leave that angry one alone. He's not ready. Uh, give him a wide berth. Uh, I actually have pictures of him standing off at the corner glaring at us. Uh, but what happened was his son in the youth program drew a picture of the family. And in the picture, the family picture, he had red flames coming out of his dad's head. Mm-hmm. And that didn't sit well with Ronnie. So he we went home and he thought about it. And then he called and he said, I need help. So we got him on track with the counseling that would work for him. Um, intense psychotherapy for 90 days and three years later he was running the retreats for me he was still engaged he uh, was one of my admins we still have a very close relationship but then he transitioned even away from that he is back home and back in the community and uh, doing other things that he loved and his son who drew the picture as a preteen, just got home from uh, afghanistan hmm. So he followed in his father's footsteps. So I'm watching my teens and my kiddos from my therapeutic youth programs enlist and deploy. And you briefly mentioned again uh, before, this is a multi-generational war. Um, But I have to believe that his son, because he volunteered a lot with us also, has a better understanding that it's okay to ask for help and understand some tools and some resiliency and some recovery techniques that will help him not only in his career, but help him as he becomes a father and continues to move forward.
0: See, and that's what I, I have the hope, too, that this is a generational shift, a generational change, um, that, uh, I, that even myself as the son of a Vietnam veteran and then went and deployed myself and, and my younger brother as well, um, you're right, it did help me to uh lead my soldiers now i was you know 87 by the time i started deploying so my brain was a little bit more developed than a 19 year old in vietnam but i saw the impact of of what would i almost saw what would be happening to their kids 5 10 15 years from now and i did my best to try to support that um in uh uh, support that awareness and that need to to build resilience so that's that's really good um, I do agree. And, and again, as you and I have talked before, it, it is cross-generational. My son was born a month before 9-11. Uh, and, um, this August, he could enlist in the military with our permission. Right. And, and that's never happened, uh, in the history of the U S. Um, but it's, but it's really encouraging that this young man, this soldier who he grew up seeing this, uh, you know, uh, Bob, stress inoculation, you know, therapy, this is, uh, this is something that. That we as clinicians, that we can actually build resilience, we can teach resilience, we can learn resilience, and that's what you're trying to do. Uh, that is what you are literally doing with Project Sanctuary.
1: We are, um, and it, it's it's networking with individuals like yourself, and always staying trying to stay ahead of the curve, and uh, and who's doing what good things, and making sure that we're doing what we need to do as an organization so that we can give our families and our veterans and our service members the best that we possibly can because it is multi-generational. And unfortunately I don't see it coming to a quick close anytime soon, uh, which just means thousands more families will be in need of all of our services.
0: No, I agree. And it's, I, I think it's going to come in, in different waves and, and, um, Um, in Crest and really over the next 30 or 40 years. Uh, Those veterans who may make a uh, successful transition, so to speak, who may not be experiencing any major issues now, but when they're 65 and they retire and they have, you know, uh, a lot more free time on their hands, um, you know, it has been shown late onset post-traumatic stress does occur. Uh, And so somebody who's been successful for 30, 40 years, not trying to paint a a gloomy picture here, but it is going to be something that we're going to be addressing for the next 30, 40 years.
1: And what I've learned, and you probably know this better than uh, myself, and there's probably an actual name for it, but we'll use Ronnie as an example. His post-traumatic stress did not go away. Uh, His bad times did not go away, but his lows were not quite as low, and they weren't as lengthy. So he was able to shorten the length of time he had his bad times and not quite be as low and use the skills to bounce back. Um, So they do cycle, and maybe they don't have a bad time for 10, 20 years, but... More than likely, it's something's going to trigger something, and they're going to find themselves back in the bottom of that well. And hopefully they still remember their tools and their resiliency, and they still have their tribe around them or their family to be able to help them through that. Is not going to go away, um, but if we can all do a better job of discussing it and reminding each other that we're all there for each other
0: no you are 100 percent accurate um i mean not even anecdotally i mean you you've seen that uh, firsthand but clinically that's accurate too there is no cure for post-traumatic stress disorder Uh, once someone meets the clinical diagnosis that there's literal physical structures of their brain that have been changed Uh, i I usually use the analogy of uh, you have a blank piece of paper you can crumple it up in a ball well, you can smooth it out and you can, you can steam it and you can, you know, roll it out and every, but it's never going to go back exactly to the way it was, but you can make it usable again, right? You can, you can write on it, you can even run it through the printer, but it's not going to go back exactly to the way it was. And, and that's what clinically and um, science has shown that, that building, you know, therapy and, and therapeutic retreats and, and interventions like that can help get 95%, 90% of, of those areas uh, functioning back to the way that they were. Um, but one or two bad days a year is a lot better than one or two bad days a week or one or two, you know, a, a day. Um, and so it is clinically, um, proven and it's, it's great to hear that, that, that you're aware of that, right? And this is again one of the, the, the greatest thing when I talk about Project Sanctuary is the the clinical basis that you begin and end with the mental health and wellness of the veteran and the family member in mind.
1: And the veterans that I've in the families that I feel like are most resilient and are doing the the best uh, in the long run are the ones that take care of themselves. They take their self care seriously and they found purpose and they are paying it forward in one way or another. That doesn't always mean helping veterans or starting your own nonprofit. You can find purpose by being the very best grocery cashier you can. Uh, As long as you wake up every day with a new mission, with purpose, with hope, and you're taking care of yourself, those are the families that are truly doing better that I like to uh, use as an example and have them come back and talk to other families at retreats and volunteer. Um, but it's all about purpose and hope and constantly taking care of yourself and moving forward.
0: And, and that is another critical aspect. And I, I've said it before here on the show, but, um, with the clients, the veterans that I see, you would see about, uh, what the range of post-traumatic stress disorder, 11, maybe 20%, you know, somewhere in there, but every single one of the veterans that I see struggle with a lack of purpose and meaning after the military. Um, the the best days of their lives when when they were 23 and hanging off the side of a mountain or, or running through an alleyway um, and and they you know they were part of a, a great mission and they loved the people around them uh, and then when they get out of the military that's missing right that's no longer there um, and it's great to hear even that 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 is stress that that find a new mission right we always talk about it um, but but what does that really mean Uh, and then being able to support that in in veterans and their families, Um, you've seen that really help.
1: And and sometimes we are really blunt uh, with our couples and with our families at retreats, and we'll just say, hey, dude, that is your new battle buddy. You're sitting next to your new battle buddy right now. You two are on a new mission. What is that mission? Figure it out. Let's go. And it sort of jars them back into reality. Holy cow, my, my spouse is pretty cool. Whoa, she does have my back. That is my back. Wait, we, we do have goals and plans. Wait, before all this went south, we did have hopes and dreams. And we wanted to do this, this, and this. So a lot of times, and I'm really big on, as, as you know, meditation and creating that space so that they can remember. Uh, and they can breathe. Because, you know, I'll circle back. We believe that every person has the ability to heal. And every person knows what they need intrinsically to be able to heal and move forward. It's just creating that space and walking alongside them.
0: No, that's great. I I always say that awareness is key to recovery. Um, So being aware that we have a problem, that there's a challenge that we need to address. Either we're, you know, um, giving the command hand too much to our our spouse, which is never a good idea, Uh, (laughs) <laughs> I, I learned that many years ago firsthand i, I only took one lesson and, and that sunk in pretty quick but that that those kind of things that we were aware that there are things about us that need to change but what i'm hearing you say that there's also you help develop an awareness of the strengths that are within them help a- develop the awareness of what that, that they do have the capacity to hope even as you say the hopelessness with with the uh, gulf war veterans and, and generally any veterans that you help develop not just awareness that there's something wrong. I'm not going to show you the ugly blues bruises in the mirror, but I'm also going to help you realize what beauty is within.
1: Absolutely. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that our retreats are magic and it's going to happen for every single family in six days. No, not doesn't happen that way. This isn't a a movie. This isn't a fairy tale. Um, but we plant that seed. So maybe a few weeks later, maybe a month later, or maybe a year later, I'll get a phone call and go, oh, my God, now I get it. Okay, now I'm ready to move forward. Um, but they know that our door always open. Um, and that's pretty cool that they we can establish that relationship and that trust in that six days. And even though the magic may not have happened for that particular family right then and there, two years or a year later, whenever they're ready – that relationship has been established, they can circle back and we'll open doors for them.
0: You know, there's, uh, there's that idea of, of seed planting. Um, I can imagine you probably have, uh, families that come to your program. And you'd mentioned it even before, they've tried other things, um, that maybe they've gone on other, um, uh, outings or they've had other marriage seminars or things like that. Um, and, and yours seems to work for them. I can imagine that there's also people that, um, it, go through your program, uh, and maybe it didn't, you know, like you said, you planted the seed, but the, the plant didn't grow, but then go to another program, and that's the one that works for them. That's something that we see with clinicians. I can work with somebody for a year and a half and, and just be slogging through and never make any progress, but then they start over with a new therapist, and within one month, breakthrough, right? It, it's, it, the, the sun is shining, um, but it's that planting seed um, and knowing that it's that it is going to be a long-term thing uh, that's a, a, a critical awareness for you and the organization to have.
1: Yeah, it's not about ego. It's about recognizing that these are human beings in pain and that um, we, we never give up and we, we don't shut doors and we don't turn our backs on them. And if, if they just didn't quite get it with our program, then I have lots of collaborations and lots of partners and let's sit down and talk about the next steps. Let's just keep moving forward. Uh, What's your next positive step?
0: See, that's really great. So what does the future look like uh, for Project Sanctuary? Is there going to be retreat in Hawaii, I assume, right? You're (laughs) going to go international, maybe do something in the south of Spain?
1: Wouldn't that be wonderful? Uh, I have actually spoken with organizations in Canada, England, and Australia who are all very interested in replicating what we've been able to do here and I'm absolutely more than willing to share any secret sauce with them. Uh, If I've learned anything, I want to be able to share it. Uh, Right now we'll probably hold steady at 30, um, develop some infrastructure so that we're better taking care of our behind the scenes team. Uh, It takes a lot of work to be able to pull off 89% mission, uh, make sure all of our T's are crossed, our I's are dotted. Uh, Everyone that works for Project Sanctuary Uh, does so because they believe in the mission and it is it is tiring and often thankless work Uh, so we're going to spend some time rebuilding and taking a look at our infrastructure uh, getting our technology up to date holding steady at 30 making sure that then we can take a breath and see where we need to go from there
0: and uh and and You know, you could talk about it if you like, but you had a pretty neat experience recently um, with a little bit of national exposure, right? (laughs) Uh, I I know that uh, you you don't advertise, but uh, I'd like to hear about that experience, if you wouldn't mind.
1: And this is, uh, I'm glad you brought it up, is, yeah, we were uh, honored to be on the Today Show which took probably six months of planning. It doesn't happen overnight. You have to cultivate a a family that's ready. Uh, You have to talk with a lot of producers, sign a lot of consents. It it just doesn't spontaneously happen that Maria Shriver ends up in your living room. Uh, Even with six months of planning and working, and it turned out to be a beautiful story that hopefully provided a lot of inspiration and hope to military families, it netted us less than $400 in donations. Mm -hmm. So just because you're on the Today Show doesn't mean manna rains down from the heavens and everything's good and now we're set. We're still a very uh, scrappy organization that watches our bottom line. Um, we don't have one big magical funder. We get our funding from lots of different diverse places. But yeah, it was it was wonderful to get the recognition from the Today Show, um, and absolutely, I'm hoping that it provided. Uh, a little bit of hope and support to military families that are in pain,
0: and and I think that's it. As you said, and we've talked about a couple times here before, there there may be some hopelessness. Um, I've actually had some uh, military spouses that have started to to listen to the show as well to understand uh, what their veteran has experienced, and and the hopelessness doesn't just happen uh, on the veteran's part. It can happen, um, you know, on the family members' part. As, as far as you said, the parents or or, or definitely the spouse or significant other, um, that, that anything, any effort to be able to spread the word provides hope and, and hope means there's possibility for healing.
1: Absolutely. And as we talk about veteran suicide over and over and over again, it's just one, of, I feel like the squeaky wheel in the back of the room going, does anybody even want to talk about spouse suicide or mm-hmm. teen suicide or what's going on within the family? Uh, so I am very hopeful that organizations like Cohen and yourself and us we're we're opening up that dialogue so that the spouses out there know that they are not alone, and the teens know that they're not alone and that programs do care.
0: no, that's that's entirely accurate. I um uh, as you well know, in being where I'm at El Paso County, Colorado, where Colorado Springs is, has a significant teen suicide. Um, uh, rate and um, in, in definitely a lot of focus here. And that's one of my questions is how many of them are, are military uh, family members? How many of those kids um, had parents who were in the military? And nobody seems to be able to under, answer that question because they don't they don't track that number. Um, and again, uh, I, I personally don't know what the military spouse suicide rate is. Um, I, I've not seen any studies that, that indicate that.
1: And it's almost like if we if we start counting or paying attention and then we actually get numbers, oh my God, then we need to actually do something about it. Um, so I don't know if we've got a firm grasp on the veteran suicide rate. So I don't know if we're capable of wrapping our head around what to do with everything else. But I think it, what works for the veteran also works for the spouse and the teen. And that, it goes back to connectedness, to connectedness, to self and family and to community and providing that hope and purpose. I think that's a, that's where I am at today. We can talk again in five more years Totally and- <laughs> philosophy
0: <laughs> well I mean and that's and that's it right you know and and as we record this the the um you know, v a suicide numbers for veterans was just recently released about uh, two or three weeks ago. And and people say it hasn't changed, um, but but it didn't change. It was from 14 to 15. We're not going to see that change, as you and I talked about. This is going to be a long-term generational change. And and I'm encouraged to to hear that you're seeing what I'm seeing, that current era veterans are starting to reach out more uh, and acknowledge uh, that that mental health is is necessary, and it's not you know laying on the cou- couch you know with the guy you know smoking a cigar. Um, that it actually is uh, more diverse and more beneficial so um, i'll i'll carry that hope as long as you can continue to carry that hope as well
1: we'll do we'll do
0: so if people were wanting to uh, learn more about uh, project sanctuary um, like you said you uh, you didn't quite disparage your technology but you guys are pretty much out there on social media <laughs> you've got a, a pretty big presence so how can people find you and uh, in, in what project sanctuary is doing
1: uh, we are Project Sanctuary. US. We are on every single um, social media network, so uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, Instagram. We're, we're trying to get our message out. Uh, if anyone wants to volunteer, it, again, it's on our website, Project Sanctuary. We do vet all of our uh, volunteers. You'll have to go through a background check. I'm like Mama Bear. I got to protect my families. Uh, but it's uh, very rewarding to be able to, even if you don't have military experience, just to come sit around a campfire and speak with a military family and say, tell me your story. What's going on? Uh, I wish we had more of those conversations. Uh, I think I'm kind of boring. I think my families are pretty awesome. So, yeah, there there are lots of ways to be involved, whether your company wants to get involved or you individually. You know, just hit us up on our website.
0: That's great. So I'll make sure that all of those are in the show notes so uh, anybody can go in and and uh, and get involved any way they can.
1: Perfect. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. Thank you for coming on the show today.
1: Well, appreciate your time and everything that you do to uh, spread the word and awareness and focus on mental health. You're doing an amazing job.
0: Just trying to bang the gong.
1: <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to totally stick to that.
0: You're listening to Headspace and Timing on the Change Your POV Podcast Network. We talk a lot about the different kinds of support that veterans and their families can receive to increase mental health and wellness in post-military life. And one point that I've always tried to make is, if you're going to talk about veteran mental health, then mental health professionals who are familiar with the unique aspects of military mental health must be involved in the conversation. It's one thing I've always appreciated about Project Sanctuary, and it came out in this discussion. They begin and end with the long-term mental health and wellness in mind, and they take a clinical approach. Now, when I talk about a clinical approach, I get the sense that many think I'm talking about healing brokenness and making sick people well. That's the medical model of mental health, thinking that the word clinical means something like the first aid clinic that we went to in the military. When I refer to service member, veteran, and family mental health, I mean wellness, not illness. You heard me say it here in the show, and Heather and Project Sanctuary come at it from the same angle. Another thing I wanted to point out is that here's another example of the fact that you don't have to be a veteran to support veterans and their families. Heather has no connection to military service, yet she developed a program that's helped thousands of veterans and their families. If there's truly going to be an impact on the distance between those who have served and those who haven't, then it takes community members like Heather to step into that gap, just as it takes veterans to be willing to engage in the community as well. The more partnerships that the veteran community has with those who have never served, the smaller that gap's going to be. And a final thought is that this is going to be a long, sustained effort. Many are concerned that the desire to support veterans will fade, or maybe that it already has, that the nation will get compassion fatigue, and that support for veterans will decrease. If that happens, it doesn't mean that the need will go away. As you heard in Heather's success story, not only was the veteran able to get back to wellness, but his son followed in his footsteps this is going to be something that we're going to be addressing for decades, especially with the long-running conflicts of today. For organizations like Project Sanctuary, the support will remain as long as the need is there. So if you've been listening to the recent shows, you know that I've been talking a lot about the release of my latest book, Combat Vet Don't Mean Crazy. It's been out for just over 100 days, and we've got a lot of great feedback. Whether you're a veteran, a family member of a veteran, or someone that works with veterans in any capacity, it's a great way to understand the military mindset and find strength and stability in post-military life. You can pick up a copy by going to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash combat vet book Finally, thanks to this week's sponsors, HostGator. One of the most important things that veterans can do is keep talking about their service after they leave it, and a web presence can certainly help you do that. Having a digital outpost from which you can spread your message is critical in the current communication landscape, and HostGator can be a place for you to plant your flag. You can find out more about them and all the things that help us do what we do at changeyourpov.com forward slash resources. Make sure to tune in next week when we continue to have a discussion about military family member mental health. I have a talk with Shara Ruffin, a clinical mental health professional and former military spouse who grew up in a military household. Here's a quick preview. Five years later, and I look back and I'm like, oh, thank God I, I didn't stop trying to reach out to someone, clinician, but initially I had those thoughts of when I first went to, to treatment was, is this lady going to think I'm
1: crazy? Like all those feelings that, you know, patients get, you know, is this the right, am I supposed to be doing this? And for me in my culture, I'm an African-American woman is, is
0: I shouldn't be telling my business to anybody. And that thought process kept me in an emotional prison, literally an emotional prison with that type of irrational thought process at the time. But that was also symptomatic to the postpartum depression and anxiety I was feeling on top
1: of my husband not being there.
0: Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it. And until then, stay focused and be well. I'd like to thank the Change Your POV Podcast Network for hosting this show and highlighting the critical importance of veteran mental health. We want to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email at duane at veteranmentalhealth.com. You can find me at Twitter at The Counseling Vet, or head on over to Facebook and look for the Change Your POV Squad. You can find the show notes for this episode and all the episodes by going to veteranmentalhealth.com or changeyourpov.com. Sign up for updates on either or both so you don't miss another episode. While you're at it, check out the other great shows in the Change Your POV Podcast Network: the show about remembering our military history and reviving our warrior spirit, Changing Hearts and Minds; the show about outdoor activities that us veterans love so much, Neo Fight in the Woods; the show that helps us get going at the beginning of the week, Motivation Monday; and Attack Fridays, the show that brings you actionable tips, tricks, and coachable knowledge to help you make the best of your transition. While you're checking out the other shows, drop us a review in iTunes or whatever podcast platform you're listening to. The reviews really help spread the word about what we're doing. If you're looking for the total package for all the information you need to live the life you want after leaving the military, you found it. If you know of a buddy who's looking for the same info, share it with them so they can find it too. I want to thank Doc Todd for his permission to use his track, Not Alone, from his amazing album, Combat Medicine. Doc Todd is somebody who's trying to bring veteran mental health out of the darkness and into the light, and you can get the album by going to therealdoctodd.com. Check it out. Because remember, veterans, you're not alone. Ever.
3: The struggle is real. Found a peace and lost a soul. Eventually, my drinking it got out of control. There in darkness, I roam, struggling to find home. See, suddenly death didn't feel so alone. 22 a day, destination unknown. It could have been avoided if you picked up the phone, but now you're gone. So I guess all we i I've triumphed over enemies, procreating enemies, broke out facilities that tried to put an end to me, R.I.P., I'd rather grind than tranquility.